Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Resurrection Church. How is everyone doing? Great. Those of us who were in Phoenix have survived that monsoon last night, huh? That was awesome. That was awesome. Just a blessed time. Hello to everyone online. Good to see everyone. All right. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, we're going we're gonna to cover the first 10 or 11 verses, but we're going to might do it a little bit different than I normally do it. So just uh, I was wrestling with this text for a while and, and uh, studying in prayer. And just uh, there's some very deep things here in the scripture. And uh, if anything, the word of God feeds your soul. Feeds your soul. You know, it's manna, you know. So Hebrews 4, <clears throat> verse 1. Therefore, let us fear, lest while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have fallen short of it. For indeed, we have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they did also. But the word that they heard was not, or did not profit, the word that was heard did not profit those who were not united with faith among those who were heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken somewhere in this way concerning the seventh day, and God rested from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news proclaimed to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again determines a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has said, said before, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest... He would have not spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has rested also from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall into the same example of disobedience. Now, there is a lot here. And... So you're just just bear with me as we go through this, and there's some deep principles here. Um, obviously, there's there's two ideas, two words, one main word that's repeated throughout this text. It's the word rest, and the main idea is not just rest itself; it's entering rest. But it's not just entering rest; it's entering God's rest. And that's a big idea, is entering God's rest. Okay? So let's, 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 let's back up a little bit. And as we know, the book of Hebrews is written to a church, a church that has been faithful to the Lord, but has gone through some intense persecution, and they're thinking of turning away. 
They're thinking about leaving Jesus. And the author has been arguing, Jesus is your best option because he's God, he's not an angel. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is your best option because he's better than Moses. Moses gives, gives you so much, but Jesus is now a second Moses. In fact, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus sat down. He sits down as a second Moses. Moses said, God's going to send a prophet after me. Listen to him. Jesus is that prophet, the one who speaks for God. Now he's the writer is saying he's going to make the comparison between Jesus and Joshua. So this idea of 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 turning away to follow to uh, to um, um, the temptation to turn away from Jesus has been going on. Now he's encouraging him to stay, and Jesus will give you what no one else can give you, and that's rest. But not just any old rest. How many guys? We love, okay, Saturdays, Sundays, rainy days and Mondays, you know. <laughs> we like rest, don't we, right? Yeah, they always get me down. <laughs> but in Phoenix, rainy days actually bring us joy because they send us rain. Rainy Mondays. But, but rest, and especially as you remember when you were younger and your parents would make you take a nap and you hated it, but then you get to be our age some of us and rest is a close friend isn't it <laughs> i need to meet with my friend and take a nap you know rest is something that we need and what we're going to see and, and i'm going to try to approach this slowly because and, and because there's some deep deep truths here our soul is restless without god saint augustine says that that our uh, um that our soul finds its rest only in God. You have made us and drawn us to yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. A lot of us have restless hearts. So let me do this. Let me go through and try to explain the passage first. Then we'll go into some deeper truths, okay? First of all, he says, therefore, let us, let us fear... In other words, not being afraid like in a bad, but so let's, let's, let's take notice here because you might miss it. Let us fear that while a promise remains of entering his, his rest, anyone may seem to have fallen short. The word fallen short means to miss it, to be late to the party, so to speak. To come, to come so far and then miss it. I don't want to live my life in such a way that I miss God. And now here, I think he's partially warning those who are really considering, and he's warning those who maybe never have entered in to begin with. Remember, in the, in the congregation of church, there are a lot of attendees, but not everyone has really entered into God's rest. Not everyone is saved. So I think he's speaking to both here. Some who have entered in are thinking about turning away, and some have not even quite entered in. And they're, they're so close. And if you remember, he is keying in on the children of Israel in the Old Testament. So remember, keep this in mind. He's brought up Moses, who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. 430 years being slaves. And now they're finally free, and over a million people have followed this man, a man with a staff, 
and a stutter. And now they get to the very line, the very border of their inheritance, the promised land. And they turn away. God, um, they, they send in the spies, Numbers chapter 13, the spies, 12 spies go in. Hey, let's check out this land. And 10 of the spies come back and say, yeah, it's, it's got milk and honey and grapes and everything else, but there are some people that are really big, too big for us to handle. And did you see the walls around their city? There's no way we can have, we've got to turn back. How could God do this to us? Okay, that's, that's the one side. Ten people, ten spies. We'll look at the text. And then Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can take this. God's with us. He'll take care of this, these, these giants for us. So there's two different sides here, right? And what happens is they decided to revolt and say, forget Moses, forget this God, let's go back to Egypt. They never enter in. And he's warning them, he's warning now the Hebrews saying, hey Hebrews, do you remember your history? Don't repeat what they did. Come so close, but only to turn away. See, some people, that's why he, he emphasizes the word today. Today, if you hear his voice, today, not tomorrow, because you're not promised tomorrow. I hope we all live till tomorrow, but if you're not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Oh, you may think you have plans about tomorrow, but you're, only, you're given right now. And his emphasis here is saying, today, if you hear his voice. In fact, he says, David repeats the same warning and encouragement, exhortation in the book of Psalms, years after the Exodus. And now, the writer of Hebrews, now I'm going to say the same thing to you today, as David said to his day, today, if you hear his voice, respond. Don't harden your hearts, because you may never get another chance. Have you responded to Christ? Or are you still thinking that he's, when are you going to consider him worthy of, of saying yes to you? What more proof do you need than for a man to die on a cross in, a, in, a, in shame, in humiliation, all alone, just for you? What, 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 what more can God do? So he says, that any of you may fall short, verse 1, for indeed we have had good news proclaimed to us, the gospel, just as they also, the good news of deliverance, of rescue. Oh, by the way, they also knew that there was a Messiah coming. Paul says in Galatians that, that Abraham believed in Jesus because he looked forward to his day. He says the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand. But the word that was heard them was not profit because they did not unite it with faith with those. In other words, they stood with the ten spies and unbelief that rather than with the two and belief. That God says of Caleb that he has a different spirit than the rest of them. And Caleb and Joshua are going to be able to enter the promised land. How you listen to the word of God how you listen to the word of God is vital for your eternal life. How you listen to the word of God is vital for your eternal life. There's a scripture in, 
in Thessalonians. Um, now, now here's the thing. I study a lot, and I make a lot of notes that I don't use. But the one verse that I want to use, I, I don't remember where it's at, but it's in Thessalonians. <laughs> Give me a second here to find it. Um, it's okay if I don't find it. Um, is the principle still there? I'll find it. Oh, here it is. First Thessalonians 2.13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. So now he's, back in Hebrews, now he's encouraging him to believe. For we, verse 3, who have believed, enter that rest. The word believed is to trust. And it's in the aorist tense, which is a past tense. But we enter, present tense, that rest. I'll get to that in a second. Just as he swore my wrath, I, they shall not enter my rest. Now God's rest, it says, they shall not enter my rest. Now is that the rest that God gives? Or is that the rest that God enjoys? Go to Genesis. Because he does mention that his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Look at Genesis 2. Watch this. I'm going to... There's a lot I want to show you guys, okay? So bear with me. Genesis 2. Resting in the Christian life is about entering God's rest. Okay? Genesis 2 describes creation. Genesis 1 and 2 is about creation. Okay? Verse 1. <clears throat> Good morning. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their host, Genesis 2.1. And on the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, right? Okay? And he rested from all of his work, which he had done, and he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he rested from all his work. Okay. If you look at Genesis 1 you see a repeated pattern of Genesis 1, the six days of creation. Let's go to Genesis 1. First. Uh, go to verse 5. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning. Day 1, Right? Verse 8, the expanse he called heaven, verses, uh, chapter Genesis 1-8, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Right? Verse 13, he creates plants and things like that, and there was evening and there was morning a third day. Creates the lights in the heavens, Verse 19, there was evening and it was morning a fourth day. Guess what? Fifth day, 20, verse 23, evening and morning. Sixth day, the day when man was created. Verse 31, chapter 1. And God saw that everything he made was very good and it was evening and it was morning a sixth day. 
But then when he gets to the seventh day, it says, And on the seventh day God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day, and he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, and he rested from all his works that God had created. What's missing? There's no indication that there was evening and morning the seventh day. Okay. The writer of Hebrews is going to key in on this, this, uh, this thought here. Go back to Hebrews. This, I'm just still in the preview section, of, okay? We're still in previews. We haven't, we haven't started the opening credits here. So when Hebrews says that although his works, verse 3, verse, uh, Hebrews 4, 3, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken somewhere, that somewhere is Genesis 1 and 2, in this way concerning the seventh day, that's chapter 2, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again they shall not enter my rest. What does that mean? God completed creation in six days. The seventh day he rested. His rest, as the Hebrew writer is going to say, continues even to this day. Just stay, stay with me, okay? God creates evening, morning, evening, morning. Watch it. That's why the Jewish people, they start their day at, at sundown. The Sabbath, you know, is on the, you know, on the seventh day, but they start their, the Sabbath starts Friday at sundown because that's when actually Saturday starts for them. They start evening and morning. We start morning. We're backwards, okay? But what the writer of Hebrews is going to say is there is a rest that believers are invited to be, and that's God's rest. They shall not enter my rest. The emphasis on God's rest. In other words, the rest that he enjoys. Let me pause real fast. There's different rests in the scriptures. There's a seventh-day Sabbath rest that some people take Saturdays off, and they do nothing. If you're an observant Jew, you'll, you'll, just, you won't, you'll just do nothing. And I love resting on, on some day. I'll pick a day, you know. I love that. I love resting on a particular day. And sometimes it's, not, sometimes it's Sunday after church, I'm exhausted. Or maybe it's Monday. I was like, just crash. But a day where you need to rest because we're not meant to go, 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 right? Because we think we are, but God designed us to be creatures of rest. So in the scripture, you have different kinds of rest. You have the rest of salvation. What is that? When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you enter his rest. Your sins have been washed. You are justified before God. It's called justification. You are in Christ, a new creature. That's the rest of salvation. Those of us, he says, that's why he says in Hebrews he says for we who have believed enter that rest we who have believed actually is it means we are entering that rest so it begins at salvation but then it continues in our life of sanctification it's now the rest of conquest moses gives you the picture of salvation the exodus the freedom from slavery the freedoms from sin the freedom from bondage but Moses couldn't take them across the border into the promised land. 
Another Jesus, or Joshua, Jesus and Joshua have similar names. In the Hebrew, they're from the same root. But that Joshua was able brought them into the promised land. And that's a picture of now entering in. And in salvation, we get saved. But when then we enter sort of the promised land of our lives. But here's the thing. The most the rest of our lives is now claiming what God has given to us. So think about this. When you get saved, when you get saved, are, do you instantly feel the effects of your freedom in Christ and your salvation? Not always, right? The rest of your Christian life now is as Joshua led them into the promised land. So Joshua's this. The book of Joshua is about conquesting the land of Canaan, the land that was given to them. But the land that was given to them had people that lived there, right? Canaanites. And God says, I'm kicking them out. I'm dispossessing them. I'm expelling them. I've given you this land. You have every right to every square inch of this land, as I promised to Abraham. But there's squalors in your land. You've got to kick them out. That Joshua brought them into the land. And they were supposed to dispossess those. That's a picture of, of rest, of sanctification. What does that mean? It means when you are a believer and you struggle with issues, those issues ought not to be there. Christ, like, if you struggle with a certain, a certain uh, sin or a certain weakness, Christ has claimed that area of your life. And rest is trusting God and conquering that. Does that make sense? I still haven't even got to the... <laughs> I'm still working here on this because it's some... It's more than just entering. It's like I'm saved. Because to me, it's, it's entering his rest in the sense that it's more than just saying, I know my name's in heaven. But what about the victory in the Christian life? What about living as if I'm Caleb and Josh and say, no, this belongs to us. Yeah, you, know, you may be big and walled and impossible, but my God has already delivered us. See, here's the thing. A lot of Christians live as if they were Israelites who just go by what they see. It's impossible. I can't deal with it, and God can't either. We don't live our lives based on what we see in the natural we live our life based on trust in what God has proclaimed in the supernatural, and we trust. Yes, what I see is scary to my physical eyes, but I know a God is with me. Who can defeat the enemy?
So what does it mean to rest? What does this word rest mean? The word rest means to cease from labor, right? Rest. And the idea is, is completion. The idea is one of completion. God created and he finished his creation and he rested, okay? Now watch this. Six days of creation, evening, morning, evening, morning, God created. Seventh day, he rested, and according to Hebrews, that seventh day continues on to this day. Do you see that? That's why he brings up, that's why he brings up, he says, verse four, that God spoke about the seventh day, and he rested, and again, they shall not enter my rest. Now what's that? Rest, that... God has worked and he's completed. Now he's enjoying that. And God's original tent for man was this. I created for six days. I finished that work. I'm resting. And man who was made on the sixth day was meant, we were meant, was to live the rest of our days in his completed work. What does it mean to enter his rest? The word in Greek, it means to participate in. It means to enter into, to enjoy, to experience the blessings of it. So when God worked and he finished his work, we, before the fall, Genesis 3 is the fall, were meant to live in enjoyment of what he did. Right? But the problem, though, is man said no in Genesis 3. Say, I don't want to live in realization or dependence or enjoyment of what you did. I want to live on my own. That's what sin is. So now when sin comes in the scene, what is the, Genesis 3, man sins, and instead of trusting God, i.e. Jacob and Caleb, let's trust God, we're going to do it on our own. We're going to turn our ways from God. And so what happened now, if you look at, look at Genesis 3, watch this, look at Genesis 3. Just, just follow, you guys following so far? Yeah. Okay, I'm... So in Genesis 3, look, one of the, look at the consequences of the fall. Um, look at um, verse, uh, well, verse 17. Let's just go with 317. And to Adam, this is God speaking after the fall. And to Adam, he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree by which I commanded, saying, you shall not eat it. By the way, the tree was a test. And here it was. Will you live in dependence and belief and trust in God or will you live independently on your own, depart from God? Okay, that was... That's it. And because you did that option, cursed is the ground 
because of you. In pain, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles will grow for you, and you will eat uh, plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you turn to the ground because you were taken. In other words, what is introduced here is the work of toil that is never reaches completion. By the way, in Genesis 1 and 2, God gave us work to do. So work is not from the fall. Actually, work that works and rests in the finished work of God is not toilsome. But work that is because of sin is toilsome and never reaches completion. That's why, let's think about this, that's why in life you'll never satisfy by all the things you get, all the things you achieve, right? You set a goal. How many of you guys are type A like me? Type A set goals, you know. You set the goal, which you love to do, but it's like, it's like there's always something more. There's always, that, there's always that, that feeling, right? And all of the world is built on the concept of, if I'll just do one more thing, I'll be satisfied. I'll have one more toy, I'll be satisfied. One more, you fill in the blank, then I'll fill in that completion. Why? Because you're working from the place of man seeking rest rather than enjoying the completion work of God. Does that make sense? So what happens with that Genesis 3, that sin trajectory that happens? We've entered that cycle of, of work, work, work. Never, it's never enough. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough toys. You don't have hours a day, right? It's never, because it never, because you are not working from the place of completion or from the place of God's rest. You're working for it, but you'll never achieve it. So now here comes Jesus. And what Jesus does, he of course, he atones for that. And then he says, in the midst of, first of all, he atones for, for all that sin. But then he says in Matthew 11, go to Matthew 11, he says, um, verse what, 28, watch this. Matthew 28, he gives us both, uh, what did I say, 11? Yeah, eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. What is that? That is step one. That is salvation. Come to me as your God who does the work of completion, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. What is that? That's an invitation to step in to to the completed work of Christ. God completed his work of of creation in Genesis 1. Jesus Christ completes the work of salvation, the Gospels, and on the cross. And now he says, come to me and get rest. Why? Because I'm completing the work that is necessary for your soul. And by the way, Remember, there's that salvation rest and then there's that sanctification rest. Look at the next verse. Take my yoke from upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. That's a daily thing. That's a daily acknowledgement or surrender of the enjoyment of the work of Christ. It's interesting in Hebrews... Look at Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews. Let's go back to Hebrews. We're in Hebrews, right? Look what it says in verse uh, chapter one. Go to verse. Uh, go to Hebrews one. Verse three. 
who, I'm going to skip into the middle part of the verse, Hebrews 1.3, who, having accomplished cleansing for sins, the speaking of Jesus, what did he do? Hebrews 1.3, having accomplished, having completed the work of redemption, the cleansing work of redemption, what do you do? He sat down next to God. Hebrews repeats this, uh, uh, I think it's four or five times. There's Hebrews 1.3, there's Hebrews 8.1, there's Hebrews 10.12, Hebrews 12.2. It's throughout. Jesus Christ has finished that work. So now, so when God says, they shall not enter my rest, why? Because they follow the same way as Adam, distrust, never stepped into to enter into enjoy what I have done. Rest, true rest, always works from the completion of God, not for the completion of God. It starts with resting and trusting and relying on the finished work of God. Does that make sense? Rest is not a physical activity or the lack of physical activity. Rest, in fact, is not even a geographical location. Look what it says in Hebrews 4 concerning Joshua, verse 8. Now, this is really cool. Now, Joshua brings them into the promised land, but even Joshua didn't give them rest. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have spoken of another day. He would... Uh, he would uh, he would not have spoken of another day after that. You can change your geography and still be at, not at rest, right? You can go through all the motions and potions and bells and whistles and then still not be at rest. Because rest is a state of the heart. Rest is a reliance on the work of God. Right? Now, some of us struggle with that. We're Christians. And we come into Christ and we have a past. And we wrestle with perhaps there was a bad past or something's happened to us. Or, but we, we carry that in and it takes a lifetime of God teaching us to rest in what He's done. That what He's done was enough for what you've experienced. I have our time. Okay, I had a past before I came to the Lord. And I wrestle. How could God use somebody like, do you know what I did, God? And God says, yes, I did. Now stop bringing that up. Sometimes some of us want to have a new name. It's like, I wish I can change my name. I wish I can change, my, I wish I can change my past and have no past and have a just, just a clean slate, right? In Jesus Christ, that's all true. God says, your sins I remember no more. You are a new creature in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are new. You're no longer slaves in Egypt. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're heirs to the kingdom. You're no longer dressed with the robes of, of sin and filth. You're dressed with the robes of righteousness. And God says, I did that for you. Stop acting like you have to earn that from me. I'm giving it to you. Yeah, but God, don't you remember? We're like, no, you are brand new. And it takes a lifetime of doing this, of 
trusting that what God says is true is true, of appropriating that truth to your life and resting in that. I'm the kind of guy that wants to, I beat myself up all the time. I can do that, you know. And God says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Rest in that truth. You want to go back to Egypt, stop it. Dwell in this land. Oh, how could I forgive? How could I dwell in this land, he says. Does it make sense? He has called us to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We have something the world is desperately looking for. They are inventing new ways of trying to find fulfillment, and it never works. And we have it. And it all starts with the foundation of resting and what God has completed. And guess what? You can't add to what God has done. There's a, there's a Keith Green song I love. You guys, Keith Green song fans. He says, my son, my son, why are you striving? You can't add one thing to what's been done for you. I did all while I was dying. Rest, what's the words? In your faith, my peace will come to you. That gives me chills right now as I'm saying that. My son or my daughter, why, why are you striving? You can't add one thing that's been done for you. That's the Adam trajectory. That's the religiosity trajectory. I'll earn God's approval by doing more, more religious stuff. There's no rest there either. That's the picture of Joshua. And bring him to the land. And doing, they got the temple. They, got, they still never found rest. Because rest is all about surrender. Rest is when you don't try to accomplish what God has already accomplished. That's what we work from the foundation, not of do to get, but because God has done it, we do out of gratification. In other words, we, we don't work from do, but from done. It's been done. We still, by the way, there's still be work in heaven. Okay, so we're not going to be floating angels, you know, cherubs, you know, shooting bears. No, no, there's work, but the work is from God's completion. And that's more fulfilling. Does that make sense? Rest is when you don't try to produce what only God can produce. That's why he says, I'm the vine and you're the branch. Abide in me. And if you abide in me, you'll produce fruit. Now, when it was raining, it was raining. Actually, it rained a couple days ago. We had, like, yesterday's rain. We had a couple days ago in the middle of the night. And so I go outside. I'm looking outside because we have, like, a citrus plant. And, of course, citrus trees aren't really, you know, unless you give them a lot of water. This is not Florida, okay? So we don't have a whole lot. So I'm, I'm praising God that he's saying, no, I, we, we, we give the water to the citrus plant. But, you know... It's, you know, we, we, we do what we're supposed to, but I'm thanking God. You're spending, because this now the citrus plant is going to be able to grow and produce fruit. And guess what? That citrus plant is not sitting there thinking, oh, I've got oh, to try harder to produce fruit. No, it just sits there and just receives the nourishment, right? 
And if you water it, you get enough sunlight, give it the nutrient soil, it naturally produces fruit. If you get the right environment, the right nutrients, it will grow. That's the Christian life. Now, if you're like me, you want to make things harder than what they really are? No, that's a lot of work. Unnecessary. It's okay. The difference between being in rest or unrest is the difference between walking God's finished, completed work, which leads to rest, or walking to attempt the work on our own, which is not complete, which will never be complete. Now, how do I know if I'm living in rest or How do I know if I'm living after the fall, before the fall? How do I know if I'm living in unrest? Well, first of all, if you are striving. If you are striving. I'm going to struggle with striving. Yeah. Because you're trying to make up for what you think you're falling short. Like, like Jesus did this, but I need to make up because my sin was so bad that I, I need to really make sure I give them the extra... That's pride right there. That's because you're saying, well, God, what he did wasn't enough. And so, we live in unrest when we try to please God of our flesh, where we try to find fulfillment apart from him, or we try to atone for our past, or we try to break free from our past, even though God has already done that. We struggle to be a different person. We live in fear and anxiety. We live for ourselves or we try to atone for rest. Okay, so you guys get the you guys get the picture. Rest. Entering his rest is enjoying his completed work. It means living as if what God says is true. Living as if God, what God says is actually true and living as if that's really true and with that understanding. So when you read scripture and God says something about you, you're forgiven, you're washed, you're clean. What if you lived as if that were true? That's entering his rest. That's what, that's what Hebrew, the heart of Hebrews is saying. Don't miss this. Don't come so close that you fall short of the experience of entering, as God says, my rest. Whoa, this is the rest that God enjoys? And he invites us to come and enjoy what he's enjoying? That's, not, that's on a whole nother level of, wow. Free of charge? Yeah. That's the way it was meant to be originally. Before the fall, it was never meant for us to live outside of what he's done. Now as a Christian, we are meant to dwell and live in what Christ has accomplished. And the result is rest. And sometimes when you become restless in your thoughts, for example, I'm restless about Israel trip. I was trusting, I was like, Lord, can you, I was like, we need, you know, we need people to come, we need people to sign up, and I'm tossing and turning, 
and I'm being anxious about it. And so I'm like, you know, Lord, you're in charge. I can't control people. I can't convert. You're going to bring the people who are supposed to be there. I had some lady contact me out of the little, hey, we're looking to go. Can you tell me more about the... Yeah, sure, you know, and Lord, I'm going to trust you to provide. Today, I'll be honest, I had 14 pages of notes. 14 pages of notes. I exhausted myself in preparing for rest. (laughs) It's like... I didn't learn the lab lesson, you know. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm, I'm, you understand, I, I take this, I, I prepare as if we're, a, you know, whether it's one person or a trillion people, I, I prepare this for the Lord, and I, sp- and I spend time in prayer, and, and, I, and part of it is like he says, he says, um, let us be diligent to enter that rest. There's that, that work, let's put that, that, let's that, the effort of trying to get this, I mean, that means for, and for us to, and a lot of us will wrestle in different ways in our, in our conquest of the land, so to speak. I'm saying, no, forgiveness is yours, freedom is yours, you have a new, new present, a new future, and you're wrestling with the demons of the past, so to speak, the things of the past, and, you're, you're, and, and it takes time for you to, to get it and to believe it and to enter in and say, you mean that's true? Well, that's true. That takes a little bit of work because it's like you're figuring out how to, and you're trying to avoid it and trying to knock at it different ways to see if it will fall apart, but it still stands true and he, his word doesn't change. And, and then finally, like, okay, I, I mean, I get to experience this truth of your, and that's okay, that, right? And, that's, and that's, for, that's part of the process of sanctification is learning how to say that belongs to you. I think I've told you the story. Remember I told the, I told the story of a candy bar? Lunchbox? That was my candy bar. Anyway, that's a thing. But it belongs to me. That's not bad. That's a bad illustration. But it belongs to you. What Christ did for you and gives to you belongs. And it's truly yours. Now there may be the enemy come and say, well, look at, you know, he always reminds you of who you think you are. You're just a da-da-da. You're, you're always, and it's like, no, no, no. Jesus Christ says, no. I claim you, and you're mine, and you're my daughter, you're my son, and all that is gone. I've dealt with all of your sins, and all of your issues, and all of your hang-ups. And there's work, there's diligence, there's a wrestling to appropriate that to your own very life and say, oh. And God does that over a time in our life, you know, of things that used to be hang-ups. He's like, oh. Okay, and there's that there's that work that he does. Joshua couldn't do that in his his day, but Jesus Christ does that for the believer. And so rest, the rest of God entering his rest is entering into his completed work, resting on the accomplishment of Jesus Christ on the cross. It works rest works from God's favor, not for God's favor. Some people, even believers, think they have to try to work for more for God's favor. 
And it's like, wait, that's already, you have my favor. I can imagine if my son Joshua or Alyssa came to me and said, I'm going to try to work for your love. I, I love you. Chill out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Relax, you know? <laughs> God is sitting in heaven, not stressed out. But just think of this. Like, the news will stress you out. What's going on in politics will stress you out. Go, uh, that's all will stress you out. But God is not stressed out about any of that stuff because he's under control. He is completely sovereign in control. And if you see him stressed out, then you get stressed out. But if you don't see him stressed out, then chill relax. He's under control. Rest in his control. That's biblical. Chillax. Rest focuses on, not on, on, on God's completed work, but also God's complete provision. Some of us get anxious because we can't provide. And that's true. We are supposed to provide all that. But the point is, ultimately, God is the one who provides for you. That's why when um, Jesus has come to me, all who are worried and heavenly, and I will give rest, right? You see Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people with a couple loaves of fish to teach you, I can supply in ways you can't see possible. If you live like the 10 spies who live by sight, and respond by what they see, you'll not enter my rest. But if you live in such a way, it says, you're facing this issue, this challenge, and if you, re- if you say, but God is my supplier, God is with me, he can, he can do some amazing things that I know how he does it, but he just does it. That's why Jesus feeds the 5,000 plus with five, five loaves and two fish to teach you Ain't no challenge challenging for me. Rest in that. You'll be tested this week. You'll be tested with a challenge of whether you're going to rest in God or not. All of us. We trust in God. And ultimately it's this. Ultimately, entering God's rest requires that we trust Him, that we rely on Him, that we live dependently on Him. Now here's one more thing. Rest also happens when you allow him to live his life through you. That's when rest happens. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does his work in you and works through you. You can't produce the work of the Holy Spirit, but if you're resting and trusting and relying on him, he'll produce that fruit through you. Does that make sense? Resting means allowing God to live his life through us. To live in surrender and trust. In John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, which is, um, if you've ever read it before, it's fantastic. It's an allegorical book of the uh, Christian life. Charles Spurgeon, who's one of my favorite preachers of all time, uh, he read the Bible and Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress probably, you know, 50 plus, whatever time, multiple times. 
And there's a character in the story, there's different characters they call like Mr. Fearing and Mr. You know, ready to quit or, you know, there's a character whose name is Little Faith, <laughs> Mr. Little Faith. And there's a character called Mr. Great Faith. Um, little Faith, of course, uh, the character the Little Faith, Little Faith will bring your soul to heaven. You just need faith as small as a mustard seed, right? You just need a little faith to get to heaven, right? But great faith brings heaven to the soul. Little faith gets your soul to heaven. Great faith brings heaven to your soul. And too many of us live as if God's promises are wrapped for somebody else's with somebody else's name on it. That they belong to somebody else, but not you. And rest says, no, that's meant for me. And that's what brings rest to my soul. He's resting in that. So God wants us to enjoy his rest. to appropriate to our lives. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us into that rest. Lord, your word says that we will have rest in heaven. We look forward to that day of entering that rest, the day when we see Christ face to face, when we live eternally in that rest. But now that we are sojourners on this earth, we are living where we're living now, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live in reliance on you, resting in what you've accomplished You'll only find rest in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to thank you that Jesus Christ invites every single person here and everyone watching. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you weary today? Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened? Jesus says, come to me today and you'll find rest for your soul. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today physically or anyone watching online that they would say yes, Jesus. And Lord, that you would take that burden just as you have taken the burden of sin and give rest and peace to their person's soul. And those of us who have been walking with the Lord, let us apply those truths, the good news to our very lives and live as if it was true because it is true and rejoice in that, Lord. 
thank you, God, for the work that you have done in our lives, the work that you have done in Christ. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? Please join us today after church for a wonderful lunch. We have some Mexican food. We get to uh, feast on some good, good, uh, good food. I pray you're blessed and uh, just encourage you just to rest in Christ. Rest in, in what he's done for you. Free of charge. It's that simple. No fine print. Um, he loves you very much. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name is my prayer for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. God bless.